Okay, all right, brothers and sisters in the faith, praises be to our loving Father. We're gathered again to study his words and commandments. Now, tonight we're going to study part three of this series about how can one be saved and the truth about John chapter 10 and the verses 9. Now, this series is brought to you by one of our viewers who may be quite critical about what we believe in. And so they submitted to us the following questions. Now, we've attempted to answer uh, several of these questions already. And so the question is the following. You probably read this already. I'm not going to go through every single one. But last week in our previous episode, we basically completed the answer to the question, does Mr. Deza, that would be me, uh, teach that a person must become a member or enter the flock, which is the Iglesiani Christo. And the text or the verse that we looked into is John chapter 10, verse 9, John chapter 10, verse 16. Yahushua says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so according to the person asking the question, what that means is Yahushua's telling people to enter into the Iglesia and the Christo to be saved, according to the one asking the question. However, when Yahushua said, according to our studies in, in part one, part two, when Yahushua said, I am the door, anyone who comes in through me will be saved. What he's telling us is not to enter a specific group or institution or church organization. No, what he's saying is when we enter through him as the door, we make him as our shepherd. Because when we make Yahushua our shepherd, automatically we become his sheep. By definition, the sheep is the flock. And what is the advantage of having Yahushua as our shepherd? The Bible says he will be the one to give us safety, we go in and find safety. We go out and find pasture, which symbolizes in a deeper way salvation and life everlasting. So the point of Yahushua, when he says, I am the door, is to convince people to follow him, to heed his voice, to make him as their shepherd so that they can become his sheep. And so, and so that's what it means. So we're not teaching you have to be a member of the Iglesia de Cristo to be saved. Are there members of the Iglesia de Cristo who can be saved? Absolutely. But the point is not church membership. The point is about following the voice of the shepherd. So let's now go to another part of the question, which is what is your teaching or doctrine concerning salvation? Uh, do they also teach you the way to salvation that was taught by the Lord Jesus Christ or by Yahushua Christ? Of course, the answer to that question, the second part of that question is yes. What we teach is what our King Yahushua teaches. And what he teaches about salvation is what all of us need to understand and fulfill so that we can be saved. Because if it's the teaching, not of Yahushua, but someone else, or if they take a verse out of context and say, this is what you need to do to be saved, then that's not the teaching of our King Yahushua. This is why when our King Yahushua is teaching us something about salvation, we need to look at the overall context. And that's what we did about John chapter 10. Uh, basically John chapter 10. And so now we're going to answer the question, what is your teaching or doctrine concerning salvation? We will stay in John chapter 10 and we will find out from the king himself, the great shepherd himself, what one needs to do to be saved. And so let's look in John chapter 10, 26 to 29. But you do not believe because you were not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, 
is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. The one speaking here is our King Yahusha, and he's basically telling us how to receive salvation. Why do we know this? Because our King Yahusha says, if we will do what he's telling us to do, no one will snatch us away from his hand, no one will snatch us away from the Father's hand, and we will not perish salvation. Not only that, we will receive everlasting life. So right here in this passage, our King is teaching us how to be saved. Now, what must we understand about this instruction of our King so that a person can receive salvation? It's a twofold process. What's the first part of this message of our King? Yahushua is basically telling us we need to believe. We need to have faith. That's the first part of this message. And the next part of the message in verse 27, it's about following him, heeding his voice. So we need to first believe. Now, what is that all about? Because that's a generic word. Believe in what? Believe in whom? We need to look also in the teaching of Yahusha himself concerning what we must believe in. John 3, 16 and 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see the same phraseology that our King Yahushua is teaching, they will not perish, they will be saved. And in addition to that, they'll be given everlasting life. Who are those? Those who believe in him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what must we believe in so that we can receive salvation? We need to believe in who? The Son of God. Who is the Son of God? Our King, Yahushua. The Bible says if we truly believe in him, we will not perish. We will have everlasting life. Now, what must we believe about the Son of God? Because one might say, well, okay, I believe in the Son of God. Well, what is one aspect that we must believe about the Son of God? We need to believe, in the last part of that passage, we must believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Because the name of the Son of God is the name for what? Salvation. And the name of Yahusha means Yahuwah saves, or I am he who saves, and this was a task given to Yahusha. So we need to believe that Yahuwah sent Yahusha for the salvation of mankind. So we need to believe in the Son of God. What also must we believe about the Son of God so that we can receive salvation? Romans 10, 9-13, if you confess with your mouth that Yahusha is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see the alignment in the teaching of Apostle Paul in our King Yahusha, right? Believe in Yahusha. What must we believe about Yahusha? That he was raised from the dead. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you were saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of Yahuwah 
will be saved. And so what must we believe concerning the Son of God? Besides believing in his name, Yahusha, we need to also believe the gospel message. And what is that? That Yahusha died, was buried, and was resurrected. We need to believe that. That's the essence of the gospel. But Yahusha died so that we can be saved. He was resurrected so that our sins can be atoned for. And if we believe this in our heart, the Bible says, you will be saved. And for those who believe that Yahusha died, and that he was buried, and that he was resurrected. When they call upon the name of Yahuwah, the Bible says they will be saved. So the work of Yahuwah and the work of Yahusha, they work together. Yahuwah sends his son to teach us about the Father. And so when we understand the Father, we understand the Son, and we are led to a relationship with Yahuwah and Yahusha. This is the essence of what we need to do to be saved. Now, what's the proof? That by believing that Yahusha died and was buried and was resurrected, we will be saved. In the book of Thessalonians 4.14, we believe that Yahusha died and rose again. And so we believe that God will, back, will, will take back with Yahusha those who have died believing in him. What we are teaching now is the Lord's teaching. We who are alive on the day the Lord comes, will not go ahead of those who have died. There will be the shout of command, the archangel's voice, the sound of God's trumpet, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Those who have died believing in Christ will rise to life first. So according to Apostle Paul, those who believe that Yahusha died, was buried, and he was risen again, what is the hope that they have that they too will rise to life again? This is why we need to believe in the Son of God, in the name of the Son of God, in the gospel message, which teaches that Yahushua died for our sins, was buried, and was resurrected. Now, one might say, well, I believe, brother. What's the proof that one truly believes? What's the proof that one's belief is not just verbal, but it's from the heart? Book of Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. What's the proof? That one's faith is deep within one's heart that they truly believe in the gospel message. Because about Yahushua says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel message again? Yahushua died for us, was buried, and resurrected. That's the gospel message. You don't need to add to that. That's the gospel message. And so if we believe that, and we're baptized, the Bible says we will be saved. Now, what is the significance of baptism? Because when we read the New Testament, we talk about the work of baptism, right? Baptism was commanded by our King Yahushua. This is why in the assembly of Yahushua, we do baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do that in accordance with the will of our King Yahushua. Now, what's the significance of baptism? In the book of Colossians, 2, 11, 12, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. What is the significance of baptism? By baptism, we are 
circumcised. But this is a better kind of circumcision. When we think of circumcision, what comes into our mind? It's a physical procedure. I don't need to elaborate on that physical procedure, but something is cut off, right? When you perform the physical procedure of circumcision. The Bible says when we're baptized, we are circumcised. What is the value of circumcision? The book of Exodus 12, 48, 49. If there are foreigners living among you who want to celebrate Yahushua's Passover, but all, let all their males be circumcised. Only when, only then may they celebrate the Passover with you like any native-born Israelite. But no uncircumcised male may ever eat the Passover meal. The instruction applies to everyone, whether a native-born Israelite or a foreigner living among you. And so how can a person during the days of the Old Testament become a part of the people of God? They need to be circumcised. This is why there was a foreigner. If there was a stranger, there was a non-Israelite. Truth is, when a person is born, right, when a male is born, on the eighth day, they're supposed to be circumcised. That's how they're added to the people of Israel, okay? This is how they were added to the people of God, to the process of circumcision. The reason for this goes back to the days of Abraham. In Genesis 17, 9 to 10, and God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant, you and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. What was the significance of the circumcision? It was the mark of Yahuwah's everlasting covenant with who? Abraham. Take note, it's an everlasting covenant. Why is it important to be part of the everlasting covenant that Yahuwah made with Abraham? The book of Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Yahushua and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on that character of Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Yahushua. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. And so when Yahuwah made the everlasting covenant with Abraham, Apostle Paul picks up on that. And in Galatians, he talks about the promises are made to you and to your seed, to Abraham and to the seed of Abraham. The promises are not made to seeds, but to the seed. Who is that? Yahusha. And how can we be a part of Yahusha? By being baptized into his body, by being baptized into Yahusha. So if we belong to Yahusha, we are true children of Abraham. We're part of the covenant of Abraham. And so what takes place of the physical procedure is a better circumcision. What is that? The spiritual circumcision that happens when we are baptized into Yahusha. You know what this tells us? This tells us baptism is when we enter into a covenant relationship with Yahusha. That's what circumcision 
and baptism are all about. This is why when you think about the past, remember we talked about covenants and how when people, two people make a covenant, they go through a bloody ceremony. And so during our time, we enter that covenant relationship through baptism. Those who truly believe and become sheep of our King Yahusha, they enter into a covenant relationship with Yahusha through baptism. And so what is cut off? What is cut off when we are when we enter into this relationship, this covenant relationship with our King Yahusha? Romans 6, 2-7. By no means we die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Yahusha were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And so when we are baptized into Christ Yahusha, what was cut off or circumcised? It is the old body, the old self, which was crucified with him. It is the body of the flesh, the sinful nature that was crucified and nailed to the cross. That's what Yahusha is telling us to do if we truly believe in him. It's basically to, su to surrender the old life, right? This is why it's not simply becoming a member of something. I hope you can distinguish the difference, right? Because not everyone who receives baptism are truly baptized. Do you believe that? There are people who receive baptism, but it's really not from their heart. There are people who receive baptism, but they don't really mean it. There are people who receive baptism, but the work of baptism is not manifest in their life. Because the essence of baptism is what? It's cutting off, cutting off, circumcising the old self, surrendering the old self. That's what baptism is about. This is why it's foolish to think of salvation in terms of membership. If you're a member in this organization, if you're a member in that church, you're going to be saved. No, it's about entering a covenant relationship. Those who truly believe and trust in Yahushua enter into a covenant relationship with him through baptism. In other words, they choose to cut off their old self to devote their life, a new life in Christ, Yahushua. And so their relationship begins to change. And so they have a relationship with our King Yahushua. And so salvation is about covenant relationship. It's not about church membership. Because when people think of church membership, it's like club membership, right? You belong to Club Penguin, for example. And so you have privileges. Maybe they have outings. They have social events. Oh, I'm a member. I'm going to show you my tag so you can enter in and enjoy your privileges because you have your membership card, right? And so if you have that membership card, you're safe. Church membership, that's what comes to mind. When we say that salvation is by becoming a member of this church or that church or this church, then we are basically telling the people that what matters is the membership, not the relationship. Because when people become a member, 
They're thinking about their privileges. They're not thinking about the relationship. This is why salvation is not about club membership. It is about covenant relationship. It's about relating with Yahusha and Yahusha relating with us. And how is this proven in the Bible? Well, there are various illustrations of a covenant relationship with Yahusha throughout the scriptures. And what are the top four? Let's go ahead and look at Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one spirit, uh, we were all baptized, right, into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. What is an illustration of the covenant relationship when we enter into baptism with Yahusha? Bible says we become baptized into his body. So there's a relationship now. We become part of his body and he becomes our head, right? Colossians 1 verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And so what is the relationship between the head and the body? Well, the relationship is Whatever the, the head directs us to do, we have to follow. In return, we are nourished by the head. And so that's the relationship. And so we need to learn to identify our head because the head is not a part of the body. He's the one leading and directing the body. This is why it's not, it's foolish to think that there's one overall administrator who is also a part of the body who is directing the affairs of the body. No, it must be the head. That's the covenant relationship. He's the head. In other words, he's the lead. And we are parts of his body. In other words, we follow what he tells us to do. And in return, right, he nourishes and strengthens each one of us. So that's one illustration of the covenant relationship we have with Yahusha. Yahusha is the head. We are parts of his body. What else? In the book of John 15, 4 to 8, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask that what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. How, how else is the covenant relationship with Yahusha likened to or illustrated? Bible says, Yahusha says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So that's another relationship. And what is the relationship between the vine and the branches, the branch have to abide in the vine. And in turn, Yahusha abides in us. And so if we surrender to Yahusha, Yahusha will nourish us as the vine. And if we are cut off from the vine, what happens to us? We become withered and die. This is why when it comes to a covenant relationship, it's a two-way responsibility. One one part of the covenant or one, because when you think of a covenant, it's between two parties. One party has a responsibility. The other party also has a responsibility. What is our responsibility? We have to abide. We have to bear fruit, right? How about the vine? What is his responsibility for us? He will be the one to nourish us. He'll be the one to strengthen us and provide 
for us being the vine connected to him, we being the branches. So there's a relationship there, a covenant relationship. Okay, so Yahusha is the vine and we are the branches. And by the way, take note that when it comes to the relationship between the vine and the branches, who gets to decide the branches that are cut off? Is it a fellow branch? <laughs> no branch has the right to cut off another branch. It is Yahusha, right, who cuts them off, or Yahuwah who cuts them off. So that's part of the covenant. Yahusha is the vine, and we are the branches. How else is it illustrated? Second Corinthians 11, 2-4, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promise you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a, di a different Yahushua than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you receive, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. How else uh, does the Bible illustrate the covenant relationship that we have with Yahushua. Apostle Paul now says that we are likened to the bride, and who is the husband to be? Who is the groom? Christ. There's a relationship there. What is the responsibility of the, of the groom to be? Of the husband? He will marry us and provide for us, right? That's outlined in Ephesians 5. He will nourish and cherish us and save us. That's the responsibility of the husband to the wife, to the bride. What's the responsibility of the bride? This is our part right here. Our pure and undivided devotion to who? Christ. This is why if our devotion is going to fall on some executive leader or some leader here on earth. Instead of placing our pure and undivided devotion to Christ, then we are not keeping the terms of the covenant. Do you see that? This is why John the Baptist said, I must be less and less so that Christ becomes more and more. If the leaders here on earth are becoming more and more and Christ becoming less and less, then they're breaking the terms of the covenant. They're not behaving and acting like the bride to be wed to who? Yahusha. And so that is another illustration. Yahusha is the groom and we are the bride. What else? Of course, John 10, 7 to 9, and Yahushua said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. And so Yahushua in this passage is saying he's the door. The door to where? The door to the sheep. He's the door of the sheep. What does that mean? He's the shepherd. And so Yahushua, when he says, I am the door, enter by me, he's inviting us to enter into a covenant relationship with him so that he becomes our shepherd and we become his sheep. And so we have here the illustrations throughout the Bible of the covenant relationship that we have with Yahushua. Yahushua is the head, we are parts of his body. Yahushua is the vine, we are the branches. Yahushua is the groom and we are the bride. Yahushua is the shepherd and we are the sheep and so in these illustrations of a covenant relationship what is emphasized what is important what's important is our devotion our devotion 
to our King Yahusha. This is what these covenant relationships analogies are pointing to, complete devotion to our King Yahusha. So what Yahusha instructs people to do, to be saved, is not to enter a certain religious organization, but to enter a covenant relationship with him. We become his sheep and he becomes our shepherd. Now this brings us uh, to a question posed by one of our viewers. Is it, it is very clear that Yahushua Mashiach is the one shepherd of the one flock and he is the door. What then should be our understanding when Yahushua said to Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church in Matthew 16, verse 18. That's a good question. Right, because Yahusha did say, upon this rock, I will build my church. Is he saying that he's going to build an institution? Is that what Yahusha is talking about here? Let's read Matthew 16, 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so here's Yahusha, and he says, on this rock, he's referring to himself as the foundation stone, right? I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The Catholic understanding of this passage is the church refers to the institution called the Catholic Church, right? It was built by Yahusha upon the rock who is Peter. But when Yahusha says, upon this rock, I will build my church, what is he building? Is he referring to the people or the institution? When he said, my church is at the institution, what does it mean? Well. Let's look at the Greek for the English translation of church. It's from the Greek word ecclesia, right? Ecclesia. It's from the, when you look up the, the Greek 1577 in the Strong's Dictionary, you find the following usages. It's the gathering of citizens, assembly of the people, assembly of the Israelites, a gathering, assembly of Christians, company of Christians, the whole body of Christians, the assembly of faithful Christians. It's a calling out. So when we look at the definition of ecclesia, what is it referring to? Not the institution. It's referring to the people, the people who follow Yahushua. And so to become church, to become to be part of the church that belongs to Yahushua, it's not about entering a specific church organization. It's about following our king, Yahushua. When you follow Yahushua, you become his body. You become his church because the church, that is the body. He is the head of the body, the church. And so the church represents the body of followers, a body of followers. It's referring to the people, not the institution, not to the building. And so then what does it mean when Yahushua says, I will build my church? Because when you think about it, okay, he's going to build. When you build something, you have a physical building. And a lot of institutions, they have physical buildings, which kind of represent their institution. And so when Yahushua says, I will build my church, does it mean it's a physical building? In the book of Corinthians 3, 9, 16 to 17, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Yahushua. Don't you know that you yourselves, you notice that? You yourselves. And so who is Apostle Paul referring to? The people, not the physical temple, not the institution, but the people. You yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. 
If anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred. And you are that temple. Do you get it? When Yahushua says, I will build my church, he's building people who's built upon him as the only foundation. And so it is the people, the church, the ecclesia are the people. What people? The people who follow Yahushua ever since the beginning, from the days of the apostles up until today, the people who have enter the covenant relationship with Yahushua. They're a part of that church. It's not just some specific institution that came from 1914. That's the totality of the church. No, it's the people who enter a covenant relationship with Yahuwah, with Yahusha, who will become part of that body. It's the people being referred to there. Now, question number two from that particular uh, viewer, with so many religions and churches with different practices that were established by men, how can we identify uh, those sheep that truly follow Yahushua and considered as his flock? It's a good question, and that question was answered by the iglesianchristo.blogspot. And like we told you, we went to this website, and they have a lot of material. It's, of course, um, it's depicting and defending the views of the English and Christian. Now, I don't know who owns the website. I don't know if it's official, but many of their points, it sounds to be legitimate. Anyways, one of the questions that was raised is in one of their topics of discussion, one of their blog posts, the one true church today, right? What are the identifying marks of the one true church according to the Bible? How can we identify the one true church among the numerous churches today? That was the question, right? And so, according to Iglesia Nicrisa blog post, there's one way by which you can identify the true church today. You know what he says? He says this, the one true church today is called by the name Church of Christ. That's one of the identifying marks. It has to be called Church of Christ. As we already discussed, the one true church is called after the name of the founder the owner and the head of this church, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one true church is called church of Christ. And then he even cites a passage in Corinthians 12, verse 12, in some kind of a very, very rare translation, the NTME, Waymo translation of the Bible. And it says in that translation, for just as a human body is one, yet has many parts and all of its parts, many as they are, constitute but one body, so it is with the church of Christ. And so they use that translation because it says church of Christ. And so they want to make it appear that the, the church is the church of Christ. And he, he uses that passage because he concludes, when you look at the passage, the one true church is founded by Christ, owned by Christ, and he's the head of this church. Thus, it is only right that the one true church is called church of Christ. through so the process of elimination, you know that? Thus, those churches that are not called Church of Christ must automatically be dismissed as the one true church. So their basis in determining, you know, what church is the true church today is they have to be called Church of Christ because it has to be according to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, they, and so that's the verse they use, Corinthians 12.12. 12. But when you read Corinthians 12.12, 12, this is what it actually says. 
Whereas the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. It doesn't mention Church of Christ in all caps, does it? As though you need to be in that specific organization. No! What Apostle Paul is saying is that in the one body, there are many parts. And the different parts or different members, they have different responsibilities. This is why when Apostle Paul teaches this passage, it's not about entering one true religion in the world today, but being part of the body of Christ so that we work together to promote Yahusha, who is the head. But you notice he also uses Acts 4.12 because he says, we have to automatically dismiss any church organization that's not called Church of Christ because how important is it to be called in his name? And then they cite Acts 4 in the verses, 12 salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Acts 4 verse 12. Therefore, if they're not Church of Christ, if their church organization is not called Church of Christ, then they cannot be the true church because the true church must have the name of Christ according to Acts 4, uh, 4 verse 12. So this is from the Egression Increase of Blog Post. And this is, I guess this is more official because <laughs> it's from Pasugo Magazine, pasugo.com. Look what they say. The only name by which one may be saved. At present, uh, there are many religions that claim to be the church established by Christ. How can we identify the church founded by him? Apostle James tells us, do they not insult the holy name of Christ by which you are called? James 2, 7, Christian Community Bible. The true church can be identified by how it is called, by the name of Christ. This is very important since there's no other name given to humankind all over the world by which one may be saved, Acts 4, 12. Hence, the church that will be saved, right, must bear the name of the Savior. As such, the apostles called the church established by the Lord Jesus Christ, Church of Christ. And then he cites Acts 20.28 in the Lamza rendition of the Bible. And so according to this person, according to the Pasuga.com, the official INC magazine, right, the church that will be saved must be called by the name of the Savior, according to James 2 verse 7. And also according to Acts 4 and verses 12, which is also what is alluded to by Iglesia Increase of Blog Post. The only true church today can be identified by the name Church of Christ because of Acts 4 verse 12. And so let's read Acts 4 verse 12. This is what it says in Acts 4 verse 12. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's what's written in Acts 4 verse 12. But you know what they don't want us to read, right? <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> because it mentions here, there's no other name given by which we must be saved. Wait a minute. What is that name given? It's mentioned in verse 10. And so let's read verse 10. This is what it says. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Yahushua Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Do we believe that one must bear the name of Christ? Yes, but what is the name of Christ 
the only name for salvation. It's not Christ. <laughs> That's the thing. It is Yahusha. Christ is not a name. I don't know if they know that. Because they're all saying it has to be Church of Christ because that's the name of the Savior. No, it's not. Christ is not a name. Maybe they're thinking that Jesus is the first name and Christ is the last name, right? Like Rolando, Dizon. Jesus Christ, Mr. Christ. No, Christ is not a name. It's not a first name. It's not a last name. What is it then? Well, it's an adjective, right? It means anointed. It is an epithet of Yahusha Christ. It's a title that describes his work. He is the anointed one. It's not a name. It's a title. And the name that was given for salvation is not Christ. It is Yahusha. What's the proof? Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at the name of Aha, Yahushua, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Yahushua Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the name that's given above all names, the name given by which we will be saved, the only name given for our salvation is not Christ that describes his function, that describes who he is, the anointed one, but his name is Yahushua which means I am he who saves. This is why if we will use their criteria, their own criteria, they say the church that will be saved bears the name of the Savior. I want to ask Iglesia and Christian a question. What is the name of Christ? They'll probably say Jesus. Then it should be Church of Jesus, right? Or Church of Jesus Christ. But it says Church of Christ. And so really using your criteria, your church is not saved. Using your criteria, right? Because the church, the church of Christ, does not bear the name of the Savior. The name of the Savior is Yahusha. Or in your understanding, Jesus. You should have at least called it the church of Jesus Christ of the latter. No, <laughs> or call it that. But they're making this big deal about the name church of Christ. And the, the one in the blog post even goes on a rant and makes following claims like this. It is like saying you are Obama, but your name is not Obama, but Bush. If your name is Bush and you claim that you are Obama, thus you are a fake Obama. So in claiming that you are the Church of Christ, but your name is Roman Catholic Church, it only means you are only pretending to be true Church of Christ. But in truth, you are fake Church of Christ. This, this is also true in other churches called in other names, Orthodox, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Holiness, and Pentecostal. Thus, in seeking the true church of Christ, we must automatically dismiss those who are not called in the name church of Christ. But they got the wrong name. <laughs> it's not Christ. So by their own criteria, they disqualify themselves to be the church that will be saved. Because the church that has the name or bears the name of salvation, bears the name of Yahushua, Hamashiach, Yahushua, the Christ. And so that, to answer your question, one way by which we can identify uh, those who are the sheep of Yahushua is by the name. They bear the name of Yahushua. And we'll talk more about number two in our next episode, episode number four. It just so happens we cannot answer all of the questions posed in that, in that uh, the question 
Um, so we're going to have a part four, and we're going to answer that in, in the future. But to kind of uh, give you a the answer from our Savior, how can we identify those who are his sheep? It's very easy. John 10, 16, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. How can we identify the sheep who belong to the flock today? Ask yourself the question, who do I believe is a fulfillment of the shepherd? Who do you believe is the fulfillment of the one shepherd being mentioned here in John 10, 16? If you believe it is Yahushua, and you heed his voice, then it's good. There's a good chance that you are his sheep. So it's all about heeding the voice of the shepherd. This is why in John 10, 26 to 29, which we talked about earlier, it tells us what Yahusha wants us to do so that we can be saved and have everlasting life. Number one, we need to believe. What does that mean? We need to enter into a covenant relationship with him through baptism right that's the first part the second part my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me it's not just entering into a covenant relationship with yahushua we have to maintain right you get it we have to maintain that relationship it's like if you get married to someone you enter into a covenant right but after you enter into the covenant what do you have to do you have to work for the relationship and sometimes it ends up in divorce but hopefully they live happily ever after, right? And so when you enter into a covenant relationship, what's the next step? You nurture. You fulfill your duties as a participant in that covenant relationship. So how do you do that? Yahushua says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so once we enter into a covenant relationship with Yahushua, we need to learn his voice so that we can maintain that relationship with him. So we need to know the voice of Yahushua, right? So what is the voice of Yahushua? How can we heed his voice? Hebrews chapter 8, 10 to 12, for this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Yahuwah, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts and i will be their god and they shall be my people what we read to you there is about the new covenant in this new covenant what will yahuwah do he will write his commandment the laws into our mind and into our hearts in the old covenant where did yahuwah write the commandments in the two tablets of stone in the new covenant which is why it's a better covenant, he will write the commandments in our mind and in our heart. You notice it's the same law. It's the same commandments. It does not change. And who did Yahuwah appoint to be the mediator of this new covenant? Because in the old, it was Moses. In the new, this covenant, who did he appoint? Hebrews 8.6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry Inasmuch as he, who is that? Yahusha, is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. We talked about this in one of our studies, the difference between the new covenant mediated by Yahusha and the prior covenant of better promises, not better laws. Same law, 
but better promises. What are, what are the foundational commandments of that law? The Ten Commandments that was written by the finger of Yahuwah. The Ten Commandments. And so the voice of Yahusha is echoed in the Ten Commandments because that's the term of the covenant. If we want to maintain the covenant, we have to heed the voice of Yahusha when he teaches and mediates concerning the new covenant and the same law applies, the Ten Commandments. This is why when Yahusha was asked, what must I do to have everlasting life? You know, do you notice what Yahusha said? In verse uh, 17, he says, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Yahushua said, basically, he's summarizing the Ten Commandments. And so it's not true that in the New Covenant, Yahushua abolished the Ten Commandments or abolished the law. No, he's teaching us to obey it. But at the same time, he's the mediator of that covenant. And so when we have a covenant relationship with him, if we're baptized in his body, we no longer have to suffer the consequences of sin. But this frees us to obey the law according to the empowerment of Yahusha through his spirit. And so by faith, we are in, in communion with Yahusha. And with Yahusha, we are able to keep the commandments of God. This is why in John 14, 21, 24, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, <laughs> said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Yahushua answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the fathers who sent me. And so how can we hear the voice of Yahushua so that we can maintain covenant with him by obeying his commandments? What commandments are they? Yahushua says it is the one that comes from the father. Yahushua says it's not mine. When Yahushua says, my commandments, he's also saying it's not mine. It's the Father's commandments, and he's telling you to teach it to you. And so the teacher of the commandments during our time is Yahushua, not Moses, because we live in this time. And so Yahushua is teaching us the Ten Commandments, and he's teaching us how to apply it today in a new time. The same commandments but Yahushua is teaching us how to apply it now. This is why when he says the commandments you hear, my commandments are not really mine. They belong to the Father. So keep my word, and by keeping my word, you keep the Father's word also. This is also echoed in John 15, 9 to 11. How must we obey the Ten Commandments? I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remember, this is about the vine and the branches. How can we remain branches in the vine? That's the relationship here. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So Yahushua is telling us that he's teaching us to remain in his love, to remain in union with him as branches connected to him as a vine. We have to keep the commandments of the Father in the same way he obeyed them. 
right? In other words, Yahusha now is becoming the teacher of the Ten Commandments and how to apply it in our life. And Yahusha took it to different levels. Yahusha took it to a higher level of obedience, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. He elevated to a kind of love that surpasses what was available during the days of the Old Testament, because now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes a difference. So now we are able to obey in the same way Yahusha obeyed, but it's still the same commandments, the 10 commandments. And in Revelation 14, 12 to 13, this calls for endurance on the part of God's people and who obey God's commandments and are faithful to Yahusha. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, happier those who from now on die in the service of the Lord. Yes, indeed, answers the spirit. They will enjoy rest from their hard work because the results of the service go with them. So basically, the Bible is telling us those who are saved. Who are they? Those who obey God's commandments. What are they? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments and everything that follows from the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments produces other commandments. But the foundational are the Ten. And those who are faithful to who? Yahusha. Those who maintain covenant with Yahusha. So the voice of Yahusha, that is the Ten Commandments as taught by our King Yahusha during our time. What else is the voice of Yahusha? Luke 10, 16. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And so here Yahushua says, he who hears you, hears me. And so there's not something we have to hear so that when we hear it, it's like hearing the voice of Yahushua. What is that? What must we hear and not reject so that we can receive Yahushua and not reject him? Well, when he said, he who hears you, hears me, who is he talking about? Luke 10, 1-4. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And so when Yahushua said, he who hears you, hears me, and he who rejects you, rejects me, who was he talking about? He was talking about the 72 disciples who were sent. And why were they sent into the towns? What were they supposed to announce? Let's read 8 to 12. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to your feet will we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more miserable, more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And so what was the message that Yahusha wanted them to announce when they were asked to go to the towns? The 72 were asked, to tell the people the kingdom of God is near you. Why were they given that message? Even, you know, notice even if they were not received, if they were received or not received, it's the same message. The kingdom of God is near. Why did they announce that? Because at this point, there's no New Testament scriptures. 
right? There's no New Testament scriptures. All the people had was the Old Testament scriptures. There was no New Testament scriptures. Did they have it here? No, somebody had to announce to them something new that was happening. What is that? The kingdom of God is near. Why? Because the one who's coming, the one who's here, is the king. Who is that? Yahusha. And so he, they're called, they were sent to prepare for the coming of the king because he's going to be coming in and they're being prepared. The kingdom of God is near you. This is why Yahusha says, what if they do not hear you, they don't hear me. If they reject you, they reject me, right? Because the, what their message is, is to prepare for Yahusha, that he has already arrived. And so what was the report of the 72? The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so at this point, the disciples of Yahushua, the 72, they were going from place to place, house to house, and they were announcing the kingdom because the king has already come. Who is that? Yahushua. Why did they go door to door, house to house? Because there was no New Testament scripture. Nobody knows. There's nothing written about Yahushua. And so they had to spread it orally verbally oral traditions and so when apostle paul was called what did he receive orally verbally what creed was already existing what was being passed along in the book of corinthians 15 104 let me now remind you dear brothers and sisters of the good news i preached to you before you welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message i told you unless of course you believe something that was never true in the first place. I pass on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. What is that? That's the gospel message. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And so even before Apostle Paul came to the scene, there was, also, there was already this creed being passed from house to house concerning the gospel message. It was passed on to Apostle Paul, right? And Apostle Paul, together with the other apostles, they were instructed to make the transmission of the gospel message more permanent. What were they instructed to do? Have a written record, right? They were instructed to write. This is why the apostles, they wrote. They wrote so that what is being passed on verbally or orally will be passed on with pen and paper, written, a written testimony. This is why John said in, in 20, 30, 31, and truly Yahushua did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Yahushua is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so, Eventually, what was being passed on orally or verbally was now being written by witnesses. This is why we have the New Testament, who are examples of those who wrote to give a testimony concerning Yahushua, Apostle John. What's the purpose of the book? 
it is to convince people to have faith in who? Christ, the Son of God. The apostles also wrote scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood as they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Christ Yahushua. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so Apostle Paul was referring to the scriptures of the Old Testament. And he said, the scriptures teach us Christ, Yahushua, for salvation. And while Apostle Paul is mentioning the scriptures, he's also writing the scriptures. And Apostle Peter says and confirms that's also part of the testimony of the witnesses. So Apostle Peter, John, the other witnesses, they were giving testimony, a written testimony in terms of the manuscripts we, call, we now call the New Testament. And when we talk about the Old Testament, they also speak of Yahusha. This is why Yahusha even said, you study the scriptures because you think that in them you'll find eternal life. And these very scriptures speak about me. In other words, if we want to hear the voice of Yahusha, read the Holy Scriptures. Because the scriptures in the Old Testament, they speak about Yahusha. He's foreshadowed, right? He's prophesied. And in the New Testament, when people write about Yahusha, it goes back to the cross to remember all that he did, all that he did and what he continues to do as empowered by the Spirit, which is manifested in the assemblies who follow Yahusha. So this is the voice of Yahusha, the Ten Commandments, right? the Holy Scriptures in general, but more specifically in, Re in Revelation 1 to 3, it's 1 3, it says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near here our king yahushua is telling us there are those who will be blessed who are they those who read the book of revelation who will be blessed when they read the book of revelation those who hear the words now we know when the bible says hear it's the shema right and so you prepare to hear you hear it and then you obey it right and so what yahushua is telling us is the message that he's about to say in Revelation, we have to heed. We have to heed that. And what, are, what is the important points of Yahushua's message in Revelation? In Revelation 2, 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so what is the voice of Yahushua? It's found in the Ten Commandments. Yahushua teaches us how to apply the Ten Commandments in our life today. It's found in the Holy Scriptures, and even more specifically, His voice is heard in the messages to who? The seven churches, or the seven assemblies. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Sayatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. But in essence, it applies to the body not just specifically to them, but to those who belong to Yahusha. This is why we took some time and prepared the series of Bible studies concerning the message of Yahusha to the seven assemblies. And in preparing those lessons, we were able to mine, to earth treasures, the commandments of Yahusha that we need to heed 
right? I'm not going to go through all of them. Ephesus, for example, the commandments of Yahushua to Smyrna, his commandments to Pergamos, his commandments to Thyatira, his commandments to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and lastly to Laodicea. We need to learn what Yahushua wants to teach the seven, to, to all of us because what he taught, the seven assemblies, is really what he wants us to learn and apply in our life. Because when you look at the commandments that Yahushua gave to the ten assemblies, they're basically the ten commandments applied and taught by Yahushua so that we can maintain covenant relationship with him. This is why he gave a rebuke, right? What's the purpose of a rebuke? Give a warning. If you don't change, if you don't do this, then the covenant relationship is broken. And so if we really want to learn the voice of Yahushua to maintain the covenant relationship, I advise you to study Revelation 2 and Revelation chapter 3 so that we can understand the voice of Yahushua. So what's the voice of Yahushua? That we need to heed to and obey to maintain our covenant relationship with him, obey the Ten Commandments as of Yahuwah, as taught by King Yahushua, study the Holy Scriptures, and understand and study the messages of our King Yahushua to the seven assemblies. What else? In the book of Revelation 3, verse 20, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come into their house and eat with them, and they will eat with me. Isn't that nice? Yahushua saying, listen, stand at the door and hear my voice. What is our King Yahushua talking about? A special kind of relationship based on the Greek word phila, philos, which is spending time with us, spending affectionate time with us because he wants to be with us as his friends. He wants to spend moments with us, deep devotional moments with us. In other words, what Yahushua wants is to hear his voice. The voice of Yahushua is also represented by his personal guidance for each one of us. You see, Yahushua doesn't deal with us just as a whole. He deals with, he deals with us on a personal level. This is why this passage here is so impactful. Yahushua deals with all of his sheep, not just the whole. You get it? It's an individual relationship too. It's not just a covenant relationship with the whole. It's an individual relationship with each one of us. The shepherd wants a personal relationship also with his sheep. This is why Yahushua says, I stand at the door. And when we take the time and when we spend time with Yahushua, the more we're able to hear his voice, his personal voice, his voice that will personally guide us when we let him into our hearts. How does Yahushua bring his voice to us? How does Yahushua guide us personally when he's in heaven? Well, Ephesians, I ask God from the wealth of his glory to give you power through his spirit to, to be strong in your inner selves and I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may have your roots and foundation in love so that you together with all God's people may have the power to understand how broad and long, how high and deep is Christ's love. You see, Yahushua, when he speaks of a covenant relationship with us, it also means a personal 
relationship with us. He wants to be in our hearts. Are we letting him in our hearts through his spirit? Because he wants to change our life. He wants us to spend time with him and he with us. That's the wonderful part about this covenant relationship. Because when we think of this covenant relationship with Yahusha, and we think of him as a king, it's not like he's a dictator doing this, do that. He's so tender-hearted and so loving. Just like a shepherd is so tender to his sheep. That's why he says, I am the door to the sheepfold, right? And he's examining each sheep for wounds, for cuts and bruises, because he wants to heal them. He's giving us what we need, provision. He wants to protect us from the wolf, protection. He comforts us with his staff. He comforts us with his words. Yahusha wants a personal relationship with us. That's also the voice that we need to heed. So to heed the voice of Yahusha so that we can maintain our covenant relationship with him. Number four, we also must receive the personal guidance of Yahusha through the Spirit. And so when we look at what we need to do to be saved, number one, we must believe. Enter a covenant relationship with him by receiving baptism by means of faith. What else? We must continue to relate with him in a loving way by following his voice. And so we can see from this passage, it's not about church membership. The idea of church membership for salvation, it ruins what Yahusha intends. It's about relationship. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be close to us. And that relationship is mentioned here. I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. He's saying to us, make me your shepherd. And when you become my sheep, Yahushua says, you will be saved. You will go in and out and find pasture. And this relationship between a shepherd and his sheep that Yahushua taught to us is very deep. You know how deep it is? Yahushua says in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Brothers and sisters, how well do you know your shepherd? Because what Yahusha wants more than anything is that we don't just become his sheep. He wants us to become his sheep who gets to truly know him as our shepherd. Him knowing us and we knowing him. It's a relationship. That relationship is what it's all about. It's not membership. No. It's relationship. When we say membership is the key to salvation, we are mocking the salvation work of Yahushua. What he wants is not membership, but a covenant relationship. When we devote ourselves to him, when we seek to know him, that's when he will say, I know my sheep. You see, Yahushua knows us. And so we need to strive to know him as well. 
We need to make him our good shepherd. The door to salvation. Why must we seek salvation in him? Outside of any church organization. Why must it be Yahusha? Revelation 3 in the final passage of our studies. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to thee. Churches, do we want to be saved? Place your trust. Place your hope in the one who has authority to save. Who is that? Not any of the elders here on, on the earth. But Yahusha. Why Yahusha? Because he's the one who has authority over the book of life. He can add, he can blot out. Brethren, no human being here on earth has the authority over the book of life. None. If anyone, if any church organization will communicate to you that there are people here on earth who have authority over the book of life, flee that church. Flee that church because you're following a false shepherd. Only the true shepherd has authority over the book of life. That's Yahusha. And so brethren, do not let anyone tell you your name has been removed from the book of life. Only one man can say that. And that's Yahusha, our Savior, our King, our Shepherd. And so place your trust in him, not in some registry, not in some membership, but deepen your covenant relationship with Yahusha so that we can say, I know my King. And then he will say, I know you. I will not blot your name from the book of life. Instead, I will confess your name. I will confess your name before my father and before his angels. Don't you want Yahushua to say that of us? That he will confess our names to his father and to his angels? Then we have to overcome. We have to know him and deepen our relationship with our Savior. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, thank you so much for giving us your word, yes. your testimony. It's what matters most in our life. Yes, Father. During these last days, because of the internet, because of me many messages through Facebook and YouTube, yes. sometimes we can be distracted from heeding your voice. But we know what we must do to be focused, yes. to look into your commandments, yes. to look into scripture, to heed the voice of your son, yes. who teaches us how to apply your commandments daily in our life. Yes. Help us, Father, that we may learn every day to trust you in everything, yes. whether, whatever it may be. May you help us to remember you yes. and to apply your commandments and to heed your holy words. Yahushua, our King, yes. you are our great shepherd. Yes. Thank you for your invitation. Yes. You are the door. You are the only way to Abba. Yes. We believe in you. We have faith in you. Yes. We were baptized in your name because we profess faith in you. Yes. We want to know you better. Yes. We want to deepen our relationship with you. Yes. We open the doors of our heart to you. For we long for that personal relationship. Yes. When you speak to us, we listen to you. 
when we go to your feet and learn from you as we study scriptures. Loving Mashiach, beginning today, when you see your servants crying to you, or when you see us flipping through the pages of scripture, when we ask you for certain things, may you respond to us. We are your sheep. We make you our shepherd. Guide us and lead us when we are frightened. Approach us, please. Comfort us, please. May we hear your voice. Because when we hear your voice, we are no longer afraid. We find confidence in you. You are our king, given by Abba for our salvation. Lead us in every step of the way. Help us that we may discern your voice and live a life of complete loyalty to you, our one true shepherd. Father, thank you so much for listening to our prayers. Heed the cries of your people who are suffering, those who are going through difficult moments, those who may be sick or ill, whatever may be their illnesses, may you heal all of us, provide our restoration. But most of all, may you help us to deepen our faith in you and in Mashiach. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers, for we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.